0: You okay doing this yeah you all right yeah. comfortable all right ladies and gentlemen i have a guest today who is my brother-in-law and also one of the international travelers of the world that i know he is he will be in a couple of weeks lieutenant colonel nathan Dole of the u.s air force how are you doing today
1: i'm doing great thanks for having me on the podcast
0: <laughs> thanks for making it <laughs> I know it's been setting this up for a while, and you very rarely come into town. It's a special occasion to have you in a town. I was like, well, one of the few chances I'll have, so let's do a podcast. Uh, First, just tell the audience a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, uh, thanks for having me on, JJ. I uh, try and come back as often as I can, which probably isn't enough. Yeah. But, um, I grew up in this part of the world, back about... Twenty, twenty-eight years ago, moved yeah. down here to Kentucky. lived in Broadhead for about five years. that um, we're over in uh, Quail. And then moved up to Berea. So mm-hmm. back, back down in Rockcastle County now at uh, Mount Vernon, Kentucky, and it's yeah. it's good to be back. Um, not much has changed. Yeah,
0: still the exact same. It has the exact same. But
1: uh, <laughs> it's good to be back. The weather's great, and uh, excited to talk to you with with you today.
0: Yeah, um, so tell everybody a little bit about your. Career in the Air Force, when did you go in? So have you been in what, twenty years now?
1: Uh twenty years and two months. Twenty years and two
0: months.
1: Yeah, I uh um I always wanted to go to college. Yeah. So when I it's kinda hard to go to college from a small town in Kentucky mm-hmm. and I watched my brother, my older brother, go to the Marine Corps um when he graduated high school and I decided I would follow in his footsteps and go into the air force. Um, so I joined the air force at 17. Mm-hmm. Um, mom and dad dropped me off in Louisville. I took a bus down to San Antonio and away we went to basic training. Yeah. Um, so at that time it was August 7th, 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, and I showed up, I had never been around such a diverse group of folks. Yeah. We kind of had folks from New York, California, Guam, um, Big city, the small cities, um, the sticks, the boonies. So yeah. it was just kind of a, a weird group of folks that were all there together for the same purpose. And that was to become uh, Air Force airmen. Yeah. So the first night I showed up and they put us in what's called the day room, which is this huge um, room where you could fit about 70 folks into, but, mm-hmm. but we were all seated, seated, seated like yeah. you know, right next to each other. And they were doing an inspection on the dormitory that we had just cleaned for the last six hours, and all of a sudden I hear this this crash, <laughs> um, and all this stuff flying around on the dorm floor. And they called out, um, "Whose bed is number one two? So I looked down at my my key on my my neck yeah. that they issued me and i was one too so i had forgotten to lock my security drawer oh so when you forget to lock your security drawer they they throw everything you own onto the floor yeah um because obviously you don't care about security right? mm-hmm. so i got marked pretty early on as as a as a problem child because they thought <laughs> that i didn't know how to, to keep my stuff secure and, yeah and do the right thing which means i got extra attention from the uh the drill instructors, mm-hmm. um, they, they call them MTIs, military okay. training instructors. Um, but that kind of taught me a good lesson, just to make sure that my stuff was...
0: Um, in order.
1: In order. We call it squared away okay. in the military, right? Um, and then, lo and behold, about five weeks later, September 11th happened. Yeah. So all my thoughts of going to the military for school kind of changed pretty rapidly. Yeah. And before you know it, um, my birthday is on October 7th october 7th 2001 mm-hmm. we invaded afghanistan yeah right um and a couple of years after that we went into iraq so for the last 20 years we've kind of been facing these these wars on terrorism you know mm-hmm. across the globe yeah and um it's been it's been a lot of learning a lot of development a lot of training and after i went to uh basic training i kind of thought i, w- I want to be part of this i want to yeah. be part of something, um, Pretty cool. So I got selected to go uh, be a mechanic. So I was an airplane mechanic for about um, five years down yeah. in Florida uh, on special operations C-130s. Oh,
0: you worked on C-130s. Mm-hmm. Like, how difficult of a job? Like, how intense is it working on like a C-130 or other planes? Like,
1: so I was actually a, a diesel mechanic for a mm-hmm. few years. Um, worked for my uncle Gene. Yeah. Um, up in Berea, and it wasn't that difficult yeah. um, there's there's a specific set of you know procedures and protocol you got to follow yeah um, but if you can follow a checklist or like a 10 step you know um, directive then it's pretty easy to, to work on an airplane because they kind of lay everything out for you step by step what you have to do
0: yeah um, there's one question about what you're talking about what was the environment, like in basic, when September eleventh happened, like what happened? Like did things change super quick?
1: You know, we were actually out in the field, yeah. so there were there were um, we call them flights. Mm-hmm. So a flight of of basic trainees would be about sixty seventy five deep. Yeah. Um, so every week, a new flight, a new a new an entire new group of folks would start BMT. Yeah. Um so I was pretty far along in bmt I was about twelve days from graduation mm-hmm. I'm on the eleventh and then uh so I was actually out in the field, but there were a lot of folks who were still back in the dormitories training yeah who actually saw what happened on the news mm-hmm. so we found out about it um in our tents, yeah, so they immediately um rounded us all up put us on buses and got us back to the dormitories. Um, Of course, we were all freaking out. Yeah. Nobody knew what was going on. And he put us in the day room I talked about before and there was a TV in there. Just a small, like, tube TV. Yeah. Um, And we started watching. Mm Mm-hmm. And people were crying. A lot of those folks had family or friends that were in New York. Um, And I feel like it really bonded us. Yeah. Because we, we had, kind of going through a pretty tough program already and then to find out that we've been attacked yeah. on American soil was kind of pretty it was a pretty pretty big shock to all of us
0: mm-hmm. was it like a big change with your instructors going to we're preparing these guys for a military career to now we're probably preparing these guys for war
1: yeah I think there was yeah. um, the big thing about BMT or I think any military training is that they don't want you to show emotion. Yeah. They want you to be able to compartmentalize. So our instructors, I still remember Staff Sergeant Fink. Mm-hmm. Um, he was so professional. And I think he was training us for war even before September 11th happened. Yeah. Because I think he knew, um, not that we were going to get attacked, but that his job was to be the most professional leader and yeah. developer that he could be. So i don't think he changed that much Mm -hmm. Um, i think our perspective changed a lot yeah like the the young 17 18 19 year olds that were from all over the the u.s were kind of like oh wow this is this is for real yeah this is happening
0: it's real now
1: yeah okay
0: um what's some of like your like either funniest or craziest like um basic training stories or
1: man it's hard it's hard to remember back that far i will i will say that um you, you never found more religious folks than in basic training yeah because every sunday they let you have two hours to go to church mm-hmm. and in those two hours you could uh um eat snacks maybe drink a soda uh, yeah talk to the chaplains so it seemed like everybody went to church on sundays mm-hmm. um, the other thing that was pretty funny was you could sign up for, for child duty. Yeah. Which means you'd work in the k- kitchen facilities. Mm-hmm. And if you did that, you always got dessert. Oh, <laughs> really? Because they would, all the leftover desserts from, from that meal, mm-hmm. once you were done cleaning the pans and the pots and scrubbing the floors, they'd let you sit down and eat. Now, the rule of basic training is, is that, um, you got to file in, in groups of four. Mm-hmm. And there's, let's say, there's 24 person tables in a row, and as soon as that first table gets up, the second table has to start getting ready to get up too. So yeah. you'd only have 45 seconds to eat. Yeah. And they made you drink three cups of water every day, so you had to drink those first before you could start eating. So it was a, it was a it was a hectic time. Mealtime was. Yeah. Um, but we didn't we never really really thought about that. We were just just in a hurry to get, get back to it, you know? Yeah.
0: What, um, made you choose the Air Force over any other military branch? Cause from what Abby and some of your families told me, you had a very high ASVAB score.
1: Yeah, actually, uh, I think I maxed the score out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know why I chose the Air Force. I, I'd like to say that I was fascinated with airplanes, but, but I wasn't. Yeah. Um, Looking back on it now, I probably would have chose the Navy because I like being around the beach more often than yeah in the middle of nowhere Air Force bases. Um, but I'm glad I did. Like, the Air Force was an awesome experience. It is an awesome experience. Yeah. And um, it definitely allows you to travel a lot.
0: Oh, really? Where all uh, have you been to in the world?
1: Oh, man, I've been... Um, afghanistan quite a few times mm-hmm. um kuwait that was my first deployment i was i was 19 years old and we were getting ready to kick off uh, operation iraqi freedom yeah and we were all based out of ali Asalim Air Base in kuwait mm-hmm. and that was probably the worst and the best deployment i've ever had um we probably had uh I think we had 80 men in a 40 man tent. Oh wow! Um, no showers, no toilets, just porta potties. Mm-hmm. 120 degree weather. It was uh, sandstorms every every other week. It seemed like. Yeah. Um, no cell phones, no telephones. We had to wait to get um, letters from the chaplain because oh, wow. they, they would mail them to the chaplain. And the chaplain would deliver them. Um, so it was very very austere, but. We got to be so close, uh, those those 80 guys, because you kind of have to be. (laughs) uh, You kind of sleep right next to each other, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think morale was never higher, because I think we all knew we could count on each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Been to Ramstein, spent six months in Germany. Um, And then just been all over the world, probably, as far as, you know, just traveling around, just for fun.
0: Yeah. As far as, like, other than being in, like, Afghanistan, what was, like, your favorite place I know you've been all o- over the world it doesn't have to be a military base it could be like personal or anything like that
1: I think the coolest thing was was I was coming back from Rota Spain uh, coming back from that uh, deployment I was 19 mm-hmm. and we we landed in Rota Spain that okay all these guys who had been uh, um, living together for the last six months yeah and we landed there, and it was like an oasis. <laughs> and we landed there, and our, pl- our plane broke. Oh,
0: right, did. So like
1: we had to stay there for three or four days just to just to get it fixed. Mm-hmm. So we ended up staying in these really nice hotels. Um, the drinking age over there was eighteen, so yeah. all those so... young bucks were drinking, <laughs> um, and it was just pretty awesome to celebrate. That was that, I still remember that in my mind that that trip. We were there for like five days. Oh, really? Yeah, it was great.
0: Is uh, Spain really nice? Is it like a very well-kept country?
1: I don't think we left the... uh, Maybe we didn't even leave the base. Oh, really? We were just like... (laughs) We were just hanging out and enjoying having hot showers and and cold beer.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I know you've been a pilot. What made you want to transition from mechanic to pilot? And what did... What was the process being trained for that career?
1: So, you know, I, uh, I think what, what happened was, was, um, I was surrounded by, uh, officers who enjoyed hanging out, Mm -hmm. loved the mission, loved flying. And because I was part of that community on this, on the enlisted side, I uh, I wanted to pursue that. Mm-hmm. So I, I went to school at night. Um, I clept a bunch of classes. I think I clept 10 classes. Mm-hmm. I got my associate's degree, I remember my, my bachelor's degree and then applied to officer school. And there's three ways to commission. In the okay. Air force. And all three of those ways Excuse me. All three of those ways um, result in the same thing. Yeah. You become a second lieutenant in the Air Force if you can go through officer school, if you can go through ROTC, or if you go through the Air Force Academy. Okay. Um, now, generally, folks who come up that are enlisted and become officers, they're what's called Mustangs. Okay. So that term is it's similar across all four branches. If you've served time and enlisted and then earn your commission. Yeah. You're usually called a Mustang because it means you you kind of buck the curve, you know. Okay. Um, so Mustang has to um, go through officer school. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really know what else I would do besides fly, to be honest. Okay. I, didn't, I didn't want to be a dentist. I didn't want to be a, <laughs> a lawyer, a yeah. doctor. But like I would assume if I had been um, one of those apprentices instead of a mechanic, yeah, I may have pursued that career field. Okay. Instead of being a flyer.
0: Okay. So. What was um. What was the process you went f- to train to fly like um. Yeah, so, what did they start you out doing, for so pilot school.
1: For any flyer, you have to go through what's called a ground school. Okay. Um, and then once you've gone through all the testing and the studying and the, um, the learning of the airplane you're gonna fly to. Yeah. Then they'll start letting you fly on the flight line. and. For the
0: What's the flight line? Just for the people who... Yeah, the flight line is...
1: <laughs> it's, it's just a, a term people use for where the aircraft are parked. Okay. So the flight line, it's called the tarmac okay. in civilian terms. Yeah. But it's generally just this huge multi-football football field-sized concrete pad where aircraft are parked. Okay. So when I was a crew chief mechanic we worked on the flight line when i was flying airplanes we got dropped off on the flight line to get fly airplanes so, okay. yeah, so it's that's called
0: yeah um wow <laughs> it's a lot yeah yeah it's a lot like do they have um you all on flight simulators too or anything like you that? you
1: know when i was coming through that, what, that wasn't as big of a thing oh no, it wasn't um nowadays it's a very large subset of what we of how we train okay um in fact, almost every flight program in the Air Force that I can think of has a similar flight sim yeah. that works and feels and operates just like the airplane. Really? And that's really important to get training for the uh, for the flyers.
0: Yeah, without the possible cause of death or well, risk of death.
1: Costs. Yeah. Um, uh, maintenance costs because it, it, it's – Costs a lot to maintain and fly these airplanes, right? Yeah. So it's a lot easier just to fly a simulator.
0: Do they become like more dangerous if they sit for a while, like the, the airplanes and stuff, like not uh, being used, is there like a higher risk of?
1: No, um, the Air Force is is highly skilled in maintaining and and keeping their aircraft airworthy. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so there's no there's no higher risk. I mean aer- airplanes get older yeah right? um they require more maintenance and that's just part of, of owning something that that's going to degrade over time right? yeah but um no I've never seen that be an issue yeah like, with, with flying
0: okay what are heavy flight hmm
1: so <sighs> there's a list so it's probably the <laughs> T6 the DA20 the T1 um T thirty seven, the B one, and the MQ nine.
0: MQ nine. Yeah. Um, like, what's it like flying on missions for the Air Force and stuff? Or did you fly missions or?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the the culture of the Air Force is that we are professional operators, mm-hmm. right? So we treat everything like, um, well with the utmost respect and professionalism. yeah so if i was to fly a mission right it would probably start with me getting my crew crew rest okay so you have to have the opportunity to rest for 12 hours prior to doing anything flight related so if i'm flying at 6 a.m um on a tuesday yeah then i need to be out of work by 5:45 p.m on monday okay now i've got to get a chance the air force has to provide you a chance to get eight hours of uninterrupted sleep that's why the, therefore the 12-hour block
2: yeah
1: um, you would show up if you showed up at six o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. um, you would show up you'd, first you would go through and make sure all your requirements are signed off okay so every aviator has to have um, a certain go no go criteria mm-hmm. that's their testing that's their physical That's their um, um, read files. It's their studies. So they have to have a certain amount of things signed off before they can even fly the aircraft, right? Oh wow! Um, Once they do that, it takes fifteen minutes or so, but they should be done the day before. Yeah, you know, Um, they'll go to check out their qualifications with the step desk. They've Mm got to be qualified and current, which means that every every thirty days you have to be current on a certain activity in the aircraft whether it be dropping bombs um, flying low levels um, navigation crew concepts etc right okay so you've got to have a certain um, amount of things signed off on your currencies next you'll have what's called a uh, intelligence brief and that's when um, the dedicated intelligence officers will brief you on your mission Okay. Um, so when it comes to flying a qualified mission for the Air Force, you could almost say that that flying the airplane is almost secondary. Mm-hmm. Because it's expected that you are so skilled at flying the aircraft that yeah. that's not even briefed. Okay. You're briefed on the mission, so the mission is what makes Air Force aviators um, ex- excellent or professional, right? Yeah. Um, that's why they're, they're highly sought after by airlines because they want them to go fly for them. Yeah. Um, because of their ability to multitask. So um, taking off and landing um, are very important, obviously, but yeah. they're not really part of the mission. Okay. Um, and the mission could be, hey, we're going to go out here and we're going to... Um, we've got two targets, and you guys need to strike this target at, say, 10, 15 on the dot mm-hmm. like like preferably at 10-15 yeah. and that would be the mission um, and then you're going to uh, do some other stuff after that mm-hmm. so once we've gotten that brief from the intelligence officer we'll go into our mission brief and that's when we'll talk as a crew on what we're going to do and how we're going to do it Right. Okay. and we'll go through every detail because in order to hit a target on a certain time mm-hmm. there's a lot of detail and planning that goes into that
0: is there like a lot of, I guess, like physics, math, and all that?
1: I wouldn't say that. Um, we do have a planning software that we utilize, mm-hmm. um, and that does all the math for us. Oh, okay. But you've got to know how to use the software. Okay. And you've also got to know how to execute it in the aircraft. Mm. So the math is not that difficult. Yeah. But the um, knowledge you have to have to operate the systems is pretty in depth
0: yeah is um they're like a high washout rate for pilots in the air force is it where you saw that is like a lot of people will fail
1: well I'll tell you JJ that anybody could take off an airplane yeah like I could probably put you in in a seat in an airplane and you'd be able to take it off yeah you know full gas pull the seat back mm-hmm. take off right yeah the hard part is landing it So people struggle with landing the airplane. Oh, okay. So there's some folks that that just can't land it. If Mm. you can't land it, you can't pass. Yeah. You have to be able to put the plane on the deck safely. Mm -hmm. Um, Some folks decide this isn't for me. Yeah. They feel like, "Ah, I thought I liked the idea of it, but when it comes down to actually doing it, they don't really like it.
0: Mm -hmm. Is it kind of like they do for special forces? Like they want to make you quit or fail?
1: No, I don't think it's like that at all. The attrition rates probably uh, swapped. Really? So it's usually ninety percent of people wash out of of special forces. Ten percent make it through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably ninety percent make it through. EPT wow. And probably ten percent wash out or quit. We call we yeah. have what's called a DOR too, just like uh, special forces. Yeah. So they can just quit if they want to, right? Because yeah. we don't want to put somebody in an airplane that doesn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. Right, to the safety of flight.
0: Oh yeah. Do like a lot of the guys who are pilots, they have like good careers after the Air Force and stuff,
1: yeah, because it's it's very relationship based mm-hmm. so folks will um, go fly for fedex u p s united American yeah. um, and a lot of those senior leaders in those organizations are prior military because yeah. um, the military is one of the, probably the best avenue to to one become really proficient at what you do. And two, get the training and development and leadership that comes along with being a pilot. Okay. Uh,
0: one other question I have here for somebody who's wanting to go in the military or anything: What's advice that you have for them, or would you recommend the branch that you've served in? Or
1: yeah, absolutely recommend it. Uh, you know, it's it's funny that. I joined the way I did.
2: Yeah.
1: Not thinking that I was going to go into warfare.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I joined because I wanted to go to school. Yeah. And, you know, if you look at why people join the military, there's a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. My dad was in. My mom was in. Um, I want to travel. I want to go to school. Yeah. It's got to get benefits. I want to get trained in something cool. I want to do something cool. Um, I want a career that, after the military, mm-hmm. um, I'm a patriot. Yeah. There's a lot of different reasons people join, um, and any one of those reasons is a good reason to join, in mm-hmm. my opinion, right? Yeah. Um, but generally, what keeps you in the military is not what made you join. So mm-hmm. in my case, you know, I didn't join to um, go to war. I joined because I wanted to go to school. Yeah. But here I am, 20 years later. And it's the best decision i ever made because of the people I've met, because of the opportunities that I've had, mm-hmm. um, because of the training I've gotten, um, it's a really phenomenal way to, to go on an adventure as a young man or woman yeah. and, um, get out of your comfort zone.
0: Okay. I know you talked about like flying planes so You've also flew drones. Yeah. Uh, like, how different is that than, I guess you're looking at a screen or uh, and using a joystick. How's that much different than flying like a regular plane? Is well, it harder, easier?
1: I think there's a there's negative connotation sometimes that comes along with even the word drone. Yeah. Right? So if you think of the word drone, it, it if you go back to the uh, the definition of it, mm-hmm. it, it's something that just of aimlessly wanders around yeah or it can be like a worker bee right yeah or like a queen bee mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it makes it almost seem like it's not um, got a purpose it's yeah. just it's just aimlessly doing its job you know mm-hmm. um, now we specifically went away from that term yeah um, in 2000 I think it was 2011 or 12 okay um, and went to what was called the RPA Mm-hmm. Um, the RPA is the remotely piloted aircraft, right? Yeah. Is what it stands for, and the media still calls it drone, yeah, because uh, I, I don't think they understand what it means. Oh yeah, um, but we call it in the Air Force the RPA. Mm-hmm. Now, um, there are some things that are naturally different because mm-hmm. you may be flying a flying a plane that's actually physically located in Afghanistan, yeah, from Las Vegas. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's some distance, right, uh, between you and the aircraft, and um, some physical distance between you and wh- whatever you're doing. Yeah. Um, but I think it almost makes you more engaged, because you have to be um, fully integrated in that mission set to be able to execute yeah. um, your mission effectively from seven thousand miles away. Yeah. Um, if you're not paying attention, it can it can rapidly um, Exacerbate a negative situation, so okay. you've got to be got to be kind of involved. Yeah. Um, longer missions, so we were flying. flying ten hours in the B one.
0: Yeah.
1: Maybe twenty hours in the MQ nine, and, I mean, obviously you have people coming and give you breaks and stuff, yeah. but it's it's a lot more. Um, time over station, time okay. on tar- time on targets, what they call it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you have to be you have to be really involved.
0: Uh, is it very hard to stay focused for like being in a plane or sitting in a chair for ten, twelve hours?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's the traditional um, six to eight hours of doing nothing yeah. besides like flying, mm-hmm. and then something you will know, something will rise or pop off, and it'll be ten minutes of crazy. Yeah. You know stuff going on right mm-hmm. so um i was always prepped to be prepared for any kind of situation that came up yeah um but yeah it's it was definitely times where it was like easy to mm-hmm. lose focus oh
0: yeah yeah i say just sitting in looking out a window blue skies could just yeah i mean you can lose easy, focus in an airplane easy wear too. on you yeah
1: um But it's people think it's you're staring at a video playing a video game staring at a screen, and it's not really like that. Mm. I mean, there are so many things and pieces integrated into an RPA mission. Yeah. Intelligence officers full time. You've got your co-pilot or sensor operator with you. You've got the mission that you're supporting. Mm -hmm. You've got the guys on the ground who you're talking to. So there's 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 a lot going on besides, and there's probably about ten screens. Oh wow! You're looking at.
0: Like, um, I know I've seen this in... I guess this is the show Jack Ryan. Mm-hmm. They had a couple of drone pilots in. it. They're in a dark room. Is it like that in real life? Or well, we call that, can't a, say we call that a GCS. Uh,
1: okay. The ground control station. Okay. Um, But we've got to get you not using the word drone because, it's, again, it's kind of just like a negative um, term yeah. for... I mean, it, there, there's probably... I don't know there's there's a lot of folks involved with every rpa mission mm-hmm. like it's, everybody thinks it's just the one guy one yeah guy <laughs> in, in a dark room by themselves mm-hmm. but it's not There's probably 40 or 50 folks supporting that one person okay um in that mission yeah Makes sense
0: oh yeah yeah so is there like a chain of command in them rooms too like always i mean yeah. the air
1: force runs on chain of command yeah um the military does it
0: has to be. So like you as the pilot do you have to say am I cleared for this or something like that? Yeah you,
1: you always have to request clearance if you um, are going to mm-hmm. do anything that like uh, involves weapons employment or striking your target. Okay. Yeah.
0: I uh, know okay, switching gears right here I know you was one of the commanders at the US Air Force Academy.
1: Yeah I actually was that was my last assignment I was stationed out yeah. there for about three years.
0: What was it like being? Were you a counselor to the students also?
1: Yeah, you could say that.
0: Yeah, um, what was that like? I know, going from where you were active in the military to being over college kids,
1: basically. You know, it's it's, it was probably one of the hardest jobs I've ever had. Really, so probably the most rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you think about the military academies now. I wasn't smart enough to go to the military academies.
0: Yeah. I was wanting you to explain the difference between military academies and like your normal well, universities.
1: Um, the military academies are kind of steeped in history. Mm-hmm. Um, West point, uh, Annapolis, Annap- Annapolis, and the air force Academy is newer, mm-hmm. but, um, it's still, it's still on track to meet the same requirements as the other two. Yeah. Right. Um, just doesn't have the lineage of West point or Annapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, now you gotta think to yourself that every year, around fifteen thousand students apply to be um, cadets mm-hmm. at the Air Force Academy. Yeah. And about twelve hundred make it. Oh wow. So, what is that? Less than less than ten percent. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are the best and brightest yeah. in the nation right, that are applying. Yeah. Well, then they cut down to the twelve hundred, and then they show up. Um, in around June, mm-hmm. for basic training, yeah, um, and they they often struggle with you know their their standing because they may have been the best athlete or the smartest student at their high school mm-hmm. in U in small town USA, right? But yeah. they show up to the Air Force Academy and they're surrounded by the best and brightest
0: from everywhere. in the U.S. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, so the sample size is a bit skewed um but also the performance is skewed too mm-hmm. because now what was once excellent at your high school is average yeah or even below average at the academy mm-hmm. so you'd see a lot of folks that would struggle with their identity because um, their identity may have been i'm the high school jock yeah. i'm the fastest i'm the smartest and they show up and they're not the fastest or the smartest yeah. um anymore so once they've been in that role for the last 18 years, yeah, they struggle coming to the academy.
0: That's um, a culture shock to them.
1: It's a, it's a massive culture shock. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that, that generally, um, now we used to call this the 1090, the the five ten nine, five ten, sorry, five ninety five mm-hmm. rule. I'd spend ninety um, percent of my time on the bottom five. <laughs> of, of the class, right? Yeah. Um, because the top five percent are already killing it, right? Yeah. The ninety percent in the middle are, are doing great. Not not maybe not awesome, but they're yeah. doing really great, you know? And then the bottom five percent are really struggling with like how to catch up. Yeah. So yeah, that was kinda how it was.
0: I know you was telling like um the minimum requirements like your gen eds at the Air Force are so much harder than Anywhere else is like, but then any other college, like what's basically gen eds that they had to take to the Air Force Academy?
1: So I wasn't a, uh, I wasn't an academic guy. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was on the military side. So there's three sides of the Academy, yeah. all three academies. The one side is, um, the athletics department, mm-hmm. which is their division one athletics, um, the football team, basketball team, et cetera. Uh, the other one is the faculty which mm-hmm. means the academics, and the third piece is, is the military, yeah. which is their military development, leadership, officership, um, discipline, etc. Yeah. Um, now, so rephrase the question again that you asked.
0: I, like, I know you was telling about just the GNA classes that okay. they have to take at the Air Force Academy or much more different, more harder.
1: Yeah. So there's certain core curriculum that every student has to take. Yeah. No matter what your major is and mm-hmm. some of those classes might involve like um, like aero aeronautics or aerodynamics yeah. or um, engineering mathematics um, and those classes folks who are doing a poli-sci major yeah. might struggle with right um, folks who are doing a history major probably aren't um, really involved in math yeah. you know so those are the courses they have to take um, yeah. Makes sense
0: yeah, like what's I guess, like freshman year like a gen Ed block going to look like.
1: Well, I probably couldn't tell you that. I, I wouldn't know. Oh. Um but there is there is a distinct um way that freshmen are treated for the first year. Mhm. Um in the Air Force Academy we call them doolies. Uh that's their nickname. Yeah. Um just because they haven't been they're not, they're not recognized yet as part of the Academy. Mm -hmm. So they have to go through a nine month kind of, that's not probation, but it's kind of a probationary period where they're expected to always be in uniform. They can't, um, they don't get certain privileges that the upperclassmen get. Mm -hmm. Um, they have to run everywhere they go. Oh really? Wow. Um, They have to greet everybody in a certain way. So, um, an example might be if a, f- a freshman passed me in the hallway they would have to greet me by my full name mm-hmm. good morning major nathaniel w dull air officer <laughs> commanding Qu- cadet squadron
2: 34
1: yeah they have to give their greeting which in our case our greeting was the, the loose hogs yeah that was our nickname mm-hmm. and you have to shout that
2: <laughs> really
1: yeah so that would be their that would be their you know, rite of passage for um, a brand new freshman. Oh wow. And it gets kind of difficult if you think there's, there's 110 people in, in, a, in every squadron, mm-hmm. and there's probably 30 freshmen. So there's, there's 25 to 30 of each class in a squadron. Mm-hmm. There's 25 to 30 freshmen, 25 to 30 sophomores, juniors, and seniors. Um, and having to know everybody's name
0: so that's very difficult. Full name yeah. plus
1: middle initial plus job. Right? Oh wow! So they might say, um, "Good morning, Cadet First Class, J.J. Barnett." Yeah. Training officer, Cadet Squadron Thirty Four, Blues
0: mm-hmm. Hogs. <laughs> oh, wow!
1: And you have to do that every time you pass somebody. Yeah. So, pretty difficult.
0: Yeah. Did you have to remember all the names too and all that?
1: Um, I didn't have to. Right. But I did. Yeah. I knew all their names by, um, all their first names, mm-hmm. right? So if they're in trouble, it was usually Cadet Barnett come to my office. <laughs> if, it, if they're not in trouble, it's like, Hey, JJ. Yeah. What's, what's going on? You know. Okay. Makes sense.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, hmm. what's the environment like at the Air Force Academy It's like how's Like, do y'all have like a big athletics following or?
1: Yeah. You know, I think the coolest thing about the Air Force Academy was the uh, the family-like environment. Okay. Um, every class, and we call them classes, mm-hmm. because um, when they graduate, they graduate as a class of. Okay. So the most recent class that graduated was the class of 21. Yeah. Um, and there's a distinct uh, rank mm-hmm. associated with each class. Okay. So the... The firsties, or we call them uh, first degrees yeah, um, were the senior class. Mm-hmm. So they were the officers. They were in charge of all the processes. Um, the second degrees, we would call them two digs, two degree. Um, they were our senior NCOs. Okay. The three degrees, or the three digs were our NCOs, non-commissioned officers. And then our dualies, the fourth degrees, yeah. were, um, they were just brand new airmen. So the only job was to get, um, uh, I guess, I think inculcate is the wrong word. Um, they just had to get very involved in learning what the Air Force was about. Okay. So that was their whole job. And the other three classes job was to teach them how to become good um cadets
0: okay how many uh, total commanders is there at the air force academy like you were
1: so there's 40 40 um there's 40 squadrons one through 40. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first few squadrons have been around since the air force Academy was was um, yeah. brought to be now the 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 later squadrons like you know thirty two through forty mm-hmm. they, came, they came a little later once, yeah. they, once they started expanding you know? okay and each squadron has about one hundred and ten people because the wing yeah has about 400, four hundred four thousand four hundred people in it okay any given time
0: oh. and how long were you at was it two years I
1: was there for two I was there for two years
0: they rotate you got you all in every two years nothing
1: um so every year. Uh, they they select twenty officers from the mm-hmm. air force, and this is pilots, um, lawyers, security for like cops, maintenance officers, from all over the air force to come be part of this program. Okay. So every year, twenty people leave, twenty commanders leave. Yeah. Um, so when they leave, the junior class of AOC, uh, they're called Air Officer Commandings. Mm-hmm. They become the senior class. Okay. And the new class comes in, they take 20 new squadrons and then they start doing the job. Oh, okay. So it's 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 kind of like the military in general. It, it, it really it's constantly rotating. On, yeah, but also like developing. Okay. So that second year AOC has to really develop the first year and take the time to mentor and aid and you know, provide advice. Okay.
0: How's the uh, Air Force football doing this year?
1: I think we're four and one. Four
0: and one, nice.
1: Uh, three and one. I, I
0: would say, like as a fan, you all have the coolest alternate uniforms that y'all bring out, like the special edition ones.
1: Yeah, there's some pretty cool, uh, pretty cool gear they have. Yeah. The one they wore at Navy was pretty awesome. I
0: like the ones that uh, you all had with, um, I guess, teeth on the side of the helmet. Yeah, I've For, got one of those helmets. Really? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Crap! <laughs> it's, it's pretty. It's pretty cool uh, um, memento.
0: Yeah. Oh, I like how all the military academies do like the alternate uniforms, like different.
1: Yeah, and you know, um, we had a couple football players in my squadron because every squadron has a couple. Yeah. Um, and they do a real good job of of tying in heritage. Mm-hmm. And you know, like last year was the Tuskegee Airmen. Yeah. Uniforms. Um, the uh, the eight ten. Yeah. The helmet that you're talking about with the teeth on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, the multi cam uniform they wore last time yeah. against Navy. But Navy mm-hmm. was wearing their Marine Corps uniform. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Um, and then we're playing Army here in Dallas here pretty soon.
0: Oh, really? In a couple of weeks. That'd be awesome.
1: Yeah, it should be a good game. I
0: mm-hmm. also like where. Did you see Navy's uh, battleship helmets at the head?
1: Yeah, I don't pay much attention to <laughs> Navy, they're they're our rivals. <laughs> wish them the best but hope they lose so <laughs> well, our our chant is sink navy
0: Was <laughs> it well, you always say army navy play for a second
1: yeah that's one of the uh one of the major cries they yell there is <laughs> army navy play for a second but unfortunately we lost to army last year really so we we lost we missed out on the uh the commander's trophy mm. but this year we've we've already beat navy this year oh really so we're gonna try to beat Army in Dallas.
0: I would say like the Air Force Academy. That whole campus is nice. The scenery and stuff.
1: Yeah, it's, all quite, it's quite different from uh, West Point and Annapolis. That's why a lot of folks go there mm-hmm. because they they enjoy the outdoors. Um, it's it's kind of nestled in the foothills of Colorado Springs. Yeah. Um, it does get cold there. That's
0: how you say so, because you're out in Colorado. <laughs>
1: yeah, it gets a lot of snow. So.
0: I say a lot of people that come there it's the first time they've ever seen snow, isn't it? did um, you get from like, I guess, the deep south or. I
1: had a, I had an Hawaiian cadet in my squad, and he really struggled with the cold. Really? Yeah, because <laughs> he was he was wanting to live um, the island lifestyle, mm-hmm. Hawaiian shirts and tank tops, uh-huh. and board <laughs> shorts, and you can't wear that there. No, it's just too cold.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, okay, switching gears here from Nathan Dole, the Air Force, or from the Air Force Lieutenant Colonel. What what things you like to do as Nathan Dole, the person? What hobbies you like to do outside of the Air Force?
1: You know, it's it's a lot of stuff that I learned in the Air Force. You know, mm-hmm. um, I really picked up playing golf. Yeah, uh, it's fun to do with your buddies. It's uh it's the perfect amount of time outside, four mm-hmm. to five hours. Just hanging out and you know, talking a little trash, you know, yeah. Um, working out, like to work out, yeah. Um, and I still like to read, so I, I like to read before I join the Air Force, but like, uh, that's still a big part of my life. What's some
0: of your favorite books
1: that you've read? Man, um, there's a book I'm reading right now for probably the sixth time, okay. Uh, it's called uh, On It's. The title is called On Managing Yourself. Okay. Um, and it's kind of a cool book because it's only maybe 100 pages. Mm-hmm. And I've given it to folks throughout my, the last six years. And so I went through when I first read it and I highlighted a few things that I liked. Yeah. Right. Maybe like five or six things. Mm-hmm. And then if I meet somebody that I really like, their leadership style or the way they think, I'll give it to him and ask him to read it and highlight a few things. Um, so I think it's only the seventh person right now. Oh wow! And I I, I always find it fascinating to go back and see what people highlight. Mm-hmm. Right? See what stands out to them. See what see what what they take away from the book. Okay. So if you've not read the book on managing yourself, it's it's a cheap book. It was um, it's a compilation a comp- compilation of about ten or twelve short stories from, uh, the Harvard business school, um, and each one of those stories, um, is applicable to your life, anybody's life. It just talks about like, how do you manage time? How do you manage intellect? How do you manage people? How do you manage resources? Um, it's not really a self-help book, but I kind of look at it like that. Um,
0: I'll probably have to look at into the getting that book. Yeah, I'll bring it, like I'll cool bring it for you next time. Like, okay. Uh,
1: maybe you get to highlight a few things in it, though.
0: Sweet. <laughs> um, you also talk about playing golf and stuff. What's some of the best golf courses you've been to? Some of your favorite?
1: You know, the Air Force Academy had two of the best courses I've ever played. Mm. Um, so we played there a lot. Um, there's a couple courses out in Las Vegas I play a lot. Um, yeah. One of them's called um, the Royal Lynx which is kind of a, um, it's a pretty cool course because it's got, um, it models every hole over a famous hole in England or Scotland. Oh, wow. So every hole on there has been modeled after a co- one hole off a course. Mm-hmm. So it's 18 different courses kind of compiled into wow, that's one, really cool. one course. So that's pretty cool.
0: Have you been to, what's some of the big golf tournaments you've been to? Because I've seen you post mm-hmm. pictures at a couple
1: I, I've been to, there's one going on right now. It's the Shriners. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that benefits the Shriners Children's Hospital. Yeah, But they have that in Vegas. Okay. And they, they set it up for where um, generally golf courses or golf tournaments are very friendly to the military. So they'll usually have their own military tent mm. where military folks can go and have a beer and just hang out and, yeah. and watch some golf and just unwind. Mm. So the Shriners is really good about that. Okay. I've been there a couple of times.
0: I know there was a Shriners in Lexington forever, but I don't know if it still is. But I like awesome. what Shriners does. Yeah, yeah. For the absolutely. kids,
2: yeah, it's great.
0: Uh, what other hobbies are you into other than <coughs> golf and working out?
1: I like to travel a lot. Travel, because um, I've been in twenty years now. I've I've pretty much got some friends in every major city. Yeah. So if I if I want to go take a trip somewhere, I'll just hop on an airplane and, and tell them I'm showing up for the weekend yeah <laughs> they'll let me sleep on their couch for their spare guest room you know and it's kind of yeah. nice to, to get out of it's so hot in Las Vegas that it's nice to get out of there and go mm. see some friends and hang out you know
0: yeah. what do you like about living in Vegas
1: um I like that there's always something to do mm-hmm. um they have a lot of concerts there they have a lot of shows the food's great um Close to California, if you want to go visit San Diego for a weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like how hot it is. Yeah, um, and it feels kind of like a coming from a small town in Kentucky. Uh, it feels kind of um, transient mm-hmm. because there's so many different people coming there every week. Oh, yeah. So it's hard to find um, a good community, good roots. But I probably want to end up living there. I probably end up moving somewhere else. <laughs>
0: is it? Is it growing or anything, or is it still, like, expanding? Or is yeah, it... I think
1: it's expanding. It's... Um, they just got the the Las Vegas Raiders there. Yeah. Um, they talking about bringing down, you know, a baseball team.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. wonder where they'll they get a team from.
1: They talked about the Oakland Athletics has been in, in discussions, you know. Yeah. Um, they've got a hockey team. Yeah. The Golden Knights, who, who have become really popular. And... Yeah, that's
0: about it. you ever been to a hockey game? I have not. You have not. Oh, my gosh. You need to go. It's a cool environment.
1: Maybe you guys have to come out and go to one with me. Yeah. Um. Sit
0: right up against the glass because nothing better than seeing a face get planted (laughs) right in front of you, squished up against the glass right in front of you. It's awesome. It's a fun environment.
1: Well, I think we like different things, JJ. (laughs) But, yeah, we'll have to go check one out.
0: I know. One time I when lexington had a team yeah Made had a semi-pro team we'd sit behind the penalty box and the home crowd would give the opposing crowd crowd's guys some crap i mean if he get the penalty box i mean they was saying, i mean they was just taunting him and oh it's bad it's a fun environment
1: yeah it's uh it's definitely something i'd like to go to it's probably mm-hmm. not something that's on the top of my list like uh <laughs> I'd be definitely interested to see. It, check it out.
0: Just go there and people watch.
1: That's well, that's one thing Vegas is great for. There's a lot of people <laughs> watching.
0: It's kind of like what I do when I go watch uh, semi-pro wrestling. Where's that at? Like all over the place. Here they have small wrestling venues mm-hmm. and just sit back and watch people. With, it's fun to do.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, what's uh some of your future plans after the military retirement?
1: Well, you know, I'm I'm still uh, evaluating all my options. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll probably uh, do the military thing for a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. It's been great. I love it. Um, It's really been fulfilling. And I think I'll know when it's time to walk away. That's generally what all my mentors say, that you'll know when it's time to to take off the uniform. Okay. Um, So I don't know yet. I can't tell you because I don't know yet.
0: Yeah. You're at that retirement year now, aren't you? Is it 20 years you can
1: it, it is 20 years that you can do, you can pull a full pension mm-hmm. um, so I reached that point two months ago yeah on August 7th 2021 mm-hmm. and um, it feels a bit scary to be oh yeah you know, committed to something for 20 years but mm-hmm. looking back on it now it's gone by so fast yeah I, uh, I couldn't imagine doing anything else
0: yeah would you change anything that you've done or like the career you chose or path you took, would you change it?
1: No. I think that, you know, when I went through college, we talked a lot about happenstance. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually a career theory that is called happenstance. And mm-hmm. it just means that you were in the right position, right place, right time. And you kind of fell into a job. And it yeah. happens all the time, right? Oh, yeah. Um, but I think what I learned was was that... Um, there's also a phrase people say that you know you make your own look mm-hmm. so I feel like for anybody out there listening that if you want to be successful I think you have to be prepared so when your number gets called yeah. you're ready you know mm-hmm. so that's mentally, physically emotionally, spiritually um, mm-hmm. financially um, when somebody offers you an opportunity um People find a way to say, no, I don't want to do that. I'm not ready. I don't want to leave. Mm -hmm. I want to move. Um, And that often drives them to to not meet their potential. Right?
2: So
1: um, my best advice would be don't be scared of change. Embrace it. And be ready for um, something new. Mm -hmm. Which I need to listen to my own advice as I get ready to get out of the Air Force. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: I know you was talking about some things you wanted to do in the private sector, like business ideas, and so talk about it. <laughs> some ideas that you got.
1: You know, I you know we were talking about you know the future of um, electric vehicles, like mm-hmm. um, just just the opportunities that I think uh, are presented by um, even if you look at stuff like Uber, mm-hmm. Lyft, Airbnb, you never would have thought that. Uh, people could rent out their own cars and houses Mm -hmm. and make money on it yeah um but i think that and it wasn't really an example of what we were talking about but like um just being able to think in a way that that challenges your your core beliefs right Mm -hmm. you've got to be able to think outside the box to to be able to be successful i think oh yeah um so maybe it's not renting our house or renting a car because we've we've already seen that happen Mm -hmm. but it's it's whatever's coming next I I don't know what's coming next so I haven't really thought about it too much but like I do think that um, being able to be in a a position to capitalize on something new Mm -hmm. early on right Um, even my buddy was telling me out in Vegas that uh, about that car app Turo Mm -hmm. where you can rent your car to somebody and people are renting out Porsches to folks that come into Vegas for five hundred dollars a day, yeah, I mean, that's that's a pretty good amount of money to, to have somebody drive your car. Oh yeah, sit in the garage. You know, mm-hmm. but you kind of have to have a Porsche too. Oh yeah. <laughs> so there's a couple of pieces to that, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's the folks who are making money, developing new ideas, are doing things that that most people aren't thinking of. Mm-hmm. Right. So oh, yeah. we got to find something that most people aren't thinking of oh yeah <laughs> and, then, and then develop it and market it
0: mhm that's the big thing is developing and marketing cause I know a lot of people basically looked at what Uber and stuff like that said that'll never make it
1: yeah and, and it made it yeah. and I mean Lyft came off from that you know yeah. um and it's kind of put the cabs out of business you know mhm but um for us we talk about this in the Air Force a lot um We don't have unlimited resources and equipment Mm -hmm. so we've got to find ways to innovate and um develop our own internal ways to to maximize what we have Mm -hmm. and it's it's just like that for any person yeah you gotta find a way to maximize your potential and your resources to get to where you want to go that's kind of my story you know i mean um when I left, you know, Broadhead, Kentucky. Yeah. You know, I never thought I'd go on the journey I've gone on. Mm-hmm. But that's just a, a testament to. Being willing to accept change and get outside the comfort zone and, and try and do something different. Yeah. You know? So.
0: You and uh, Luke competed for the brother golf tournament, yeah.
1: Yeah, he's <laughs> he's lost that a couple times. <laughs> You yeah. still have the trophy. I still have the trophy. <laughs> we uh, we we make fun in the Air Force a lot about how officers are golfers first, mm-hmm. pilots second. Yeah. So um, and we also say that you won't make promotion if you don't if you can't play golf. That's just going in line with you know the the Navy and the Army making fun of us because we're we're a chair force. Yeah. And we're Not as athletic as they are, so we just push back by saying we're better golfers than they are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome well this has been fun it's been a fun episode
1: yeah well thanks for having me on I yeah. uh, I look forward to seeing um, what you do What you do next and I'm super excited about uh, this podcast yeah I appreciate the opportunity hope it can
0: grow thanks for being a part of it right. but for all the listeners just like and follow us on Facebook and share this right. y'all have a good day